It's so, so beautiful. I want to go camping. I feel like late in the summer, maybe. Yeah. When it's not scorching hot. Yeah, definitely. And there's like tent rentals and stuff that we can do too. Maybe that could be another podcast episode is how to go camping on your own. Honestly, you don't know what you're doing. How to do (laughs) activities and give yourself hobbies (laughs) outside of just going out. I would like to welcome on kickball superstar extraordinaire, <laughs> new Southie resident, tiny bear owner, Emily Wright. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I, I can't believe it's been, I feel like I've known you longer, but we just met actually when I was like in the middle of this home buying process. Right? Um, My birthday was right when you moved. I know, it's crazy. It's already been a year. Yeah, thanks for having me. I feel like I should preface with I'm not a licensed realtor. So, you know, there are obviously people that dedicated their whole careers to this. So I understand like a small fraction of what there is to know about real estate, but I'm really excited to to talk to you and kind of just share what my experience was. You know, I did buy a home on my own for the first time last year. And so um, some of this may be a little bit anecdotal, but hopefully it kind of gives you a good understanding of what the yeah. general process is like. I mean, I feel like having a licensed realtor, it would be way too formal. And I feel like having somebody who recently just bought is a lot more applicable because people like you and me don't have much experience in understanding what everything is or what anything is. So I think it's better that it's anecdotal, honestly, just because it allows for people to resonate better with it, um, as opposed to coming in with any sort of understanding of what interest rates are, mortgage loans are, any of that. Yeah, honestly, I um, I mean, I was fortunate enough to have an older sister who had, she and her now husband had bought a condo a few years ago, and then they ended up selling it right before I started looking. So she's always kind of like the guinea pig for big life events <laughs> like that. So it was really nice having um, the two of them kind of as like a sounding board and having someone that went through it recently. But then you know, obviously my parents, they bought our home like, you know, 30 years ago, but they still had a lot of good advice for me. But, um, a lot of it, I was presently surprised to learn that like you, you kind of just like learn as you go. And it was, a, I mean, I felt it was a pretty smooth process. Like if you have a really good team, so, you know, finding a good realtor and, um, just kind of going with the flow and being okay a little bit with the unknown (laughs) and not being afraid to ask what might be a dumb question to, to someone else. Yeah, um, exactly. Well, that's what my entire podcast is, is just asking people <laughs> dumb questions yeah, for an hour. Every way you learn, so. Exactly. So I guess what we'll start off with is how did you start the process? So you had to initially first decide that you were looking to buy instead of rent, right? Yeah. And even that, I would say like, it was probably like five years ago. I don't know. My my lease was up and I was thinking about whether or not to renew. I'd have remained at the time and um, very loosely considered buying. I think it had just been like a year since my sister and her um, husband bought that condo. So basically like downloaded Zillow, just like got a very general sense of like what I could potentially afford and like what, you know, a one bedroom in the Boston area, like would even look like for my budget. I ended up going to one open house and funny enough, I ended up seeing that same house on Zillow last year when I did this again, five years later, so they were um, selling <laughs> after a couple of years. But um, yeah, I'd say like from that point on, I had Zillow and I would probably go on and every and now and then and just kind of like generally understood like what, you know, the cost of a one bedroom home is in Boston, which I think was helpful just to have sort of that reference point. But um, 
last summer. So I was living with my sister at the time and our lease was coming up and we knew we weren't going to um, lived together because she was going to grad school and I was looking at one bedrooms in the same building and the rent as I'm sure you know in Boston and you know most other places in, in the U.S. was just astronomical like just I don't know I couldn't stomach you know throwing that much money away on rent and I, but I also didn't want to live really outside the city or compromise on some of the you know the things that I wanted um, in a living space and so I had been in, you know, the workforce for long enough that I had a decent amount saved up for, you know, a down payment. And at the time, interest rates were, were really low last year. So just doing, and Zillow has great like calculators to see like, you know, based on the cost of the home and what you want to put down and what an average interest rate is, like what your monthly payments would be. And in some cases they were less than what it would rent. It would cost me to rent a one bedroom in Boston. So I was like, all right, if I'm going to be paying the same amount, at least when it's rent, you'll never see that money again. If it's going towards a mortgage, a good chunk of that you'll see when you go to rent it or sell it in the future. So that was sort of the, the, what got me like seriously considering buying. Um, and so, you know, went back on Zillow, I ended up seeing like one of the first houses I clicked on. And again, the market was so hot last summer. So there was just like a lot of things popping up and then, you know, the, the fall off immediately and, and get sold. But um, I saw this one place that I really loved and funny enough, it's actually my neighbor now. Um, yeah. But um, that was the first house that I just like fell in love with. And I think because I um, I was sort of in my mind thinking about what I could afford five years ago when I briefly looked that now I was like, oh my God, like this looks so much nicer than what I knew I, you know, or thought I could afford. And so I kind of fell in love with it. And I, I texted my older sister and brother-in-law and they put me in touch with the realtor they had just used to sell their place. Um, and so I gave her a text. The whole thing was really quick. We ended up going to see the place. I think just a couple of days later, there was an open house, um, fell in love with it, ended up putting an offer literally on the first house that I saw, which everyone was like, that's crazy. Like you literally just decided you wanted to buy a house last week and now you're putting an offer in like, what's the what's norm? How many houses do people normally see? I don't know. I think like, I mean, the process for me so like end to end from when I decided I wanted to buy to when I ultimately got this home um, accepted was like under two months. I think I Googled it once and it was like maybe an average of like four months. I don't know. I mean, obviously it could be a lot longer. Like my older sister and um, her husband have been, they were looking in the suburbs since the market was even crazier then. It took them like over a year wow. to find a place. And a lot of people still have been looking since the pandemic and you know, haven't been able to, to find somewhere because they're just like crazy cash offers, um, you know, well over asking. Sometimes people don't even go to look at the home in person or they're waiving inspections. It's, you know, it's definitely been weird the last couple of years, but um, yeah. So I, I ended up putting an offer in on that house and I loved it so much that I was willing to pay, you know, the asking price, which my dad, when I talked to him, he was like, no, you always go in under, like you always want to negotiate because he bought a you know, home 30 years ago and it was so different back then. Um, right. And now it was like, for the most part, like if you don't come in at asking, you're not even in the running. Like most people are going in over asking, wow. was looking. So, but what I really discovered that I loved about this realtor that, um, the, really the only reason that I went with her was because it was what my sister had recommended and um, I ended up loving her so much. I'm so glad I did, but she actually convinced me that the 
the property was overvalued. And even though like I loved it, it, it was really great to have that like objective, um, you know, person kind of reeling me in and being like, I know it might be in your budget and you love it, but like, you don't want to lose money on this if you go to sell it in five years and like right. you bought it overpriced. Yeah, so I really exactly. That's when that, that expertise comes in handy because obviously, like you said, your dad bought a house 30 years ago and he suggested that, but like you said, times have changed. And so having a realtor that's seeing what the market's like right now helps extremely helpful, I would imagine. Oh yeah. And I can't say enough good things about my, my realtor. Her name's Susan. Um, she was absolutely amazing. And I think you know, a huge reason why it, the process went so smoothly for me. I could definitely see how it, it could be, um, I don't know, a lot more like a scary experience if you don't have a good realtor. That's fair. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, definitely, um, yeah, really helpful. Um, what was I going to say about that offer? Yeah. So that one I put it in and then they ended up coming back really weird like they asked for my best and final I swear like two or three times I'm like what is the point of a best and final <laughs> but every time they would come back I'm like okay fine I go up a little bit more so we did a little bit of back and forth and I ended up um not getting it so someone else um you know they went with another offer and then probably looked at a few more houses all around Southie I kind of knew the neighborhood that I wanted so um, wait going back on when you put an offer in is it anything like apartment where you have to put an application fee in like are you paying money every time you put an offer in or are you just like willy-nilly putting an offer <laughs> in and if they take it congrats yeah. yeah good question um there's not necessarily like an application fee. Basically you, you work with your, your realtor. And so they have like a templated, you know, offer letter that they're, you know, basically using for everyone. And um, you do usually put down a deposit of a thousand dollars and that basically that will go towards the eventual down payment and closing costs, um, mm -hmm. assuming you get the house, but that basically binds the offer that like, if you back out, you know, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, legal stuff in the offer letter about like how and, and why you can back out and not lose the money. But right. that's basically what's binding you to not just be like, you know what, never mind. I changed my mind. I, I'm not interested anymore. Right. So yeah. So you do put in a thousand dollars. You also put in like when you want the offer to expire. So I think for the most part, it's like 24 hours um, that, that then the seller gets, to collect all the offers and decide, you know, who to go with or negotiate. And then after 24 hours, it technically expires. But obviously, if you're still interested, you know, you can renew it or whatever. When you talk about your realtor and how she was so great, I think about my realtor that I had for my apartment. And she literally posted a video on Facebook about what our apartment looked like and was just showing what it was. Essentially like an open house just on Facebook because it was COVID times. Um, I'm, I would imagine that other realtors probably do the same thing. Um, but then afterwards, that was the only real interaction, if you will, that we had with her besides for over email. And then we got charged a broker's fee. So like yeah. what are realtors actually supposed to be doing? Yeah, I think, um, obviously like when you're renting a property versus buying, there's like so much more that goes into it when you're buying a property. So, um, yeah, I mean, they're really like, I almost think one of them is like the project manager, like there's so much going on behind the scenes that I still don't even know all of the details of what goes into right. all of this, but they're kind of the ones like orchestrating, um, you know, when it actually comes down to like you submitting the offer and it being accepted and all of that, like kind of coordinating between the seller and their agent and then your mortgage lender or bank or whoever you're using and 
um, the attorney and making sure that the whole process goes smoothly. And basically if they're a good um, realtor, you kind of don't need to be <laughs> aware of all of the nitty gritty that's going on. Um, yeah, well, that's good. But yeah, and other than that, I mean, obviously, like I said, they're they're experts in their fields, they're, they're licensed. So they have a much better understanding of the market and definitely recommend getting one that, you know, specializes in whatever neighborhood or area that you're looking to buy in. Um, they'll have, you know, more connections to, to see properties that might not be listed yet on Zillow. Um, you know, they're born negotiators. So they're um, kind of the ones, you know, with the poker face and that are able to, um, you know, hopefully get you the best deal. And they're really like, you know, they're on your team. And so like, I loved mine. I think it's so important to, pick someone not only that, you know, is really capable and um, knowledgeable, but, you know, someone that you trust and that you enjoy working with and that, you know, you can just be totally honest with, be like, Hey, here's how much I can afford, but like, I really would prefer to be in this range or, Mm -hmm. you know, here are my concerns. Like they're, they're the ones you can be totally open and honest with. And then they're going to go and like basically work their magic with the other, you know, the seller's agent and try to get you the best deal possible. And I think it is really important to find, I think like all good realtors um, are looking at their relationship long-term. So they, Mm -hmm. they know that like a couple extra thousand dollars in commission is not worth, like it's worth so much more if they get you a good deal and you love them. Cause like my sister, the only reason I went with, with Susan is because my sister recommended her. Right. So it's all about like relationships. And then like, eventually if I want to, you know, rent or sell this home, I'm going to use her again. So um, finding someone that really has your best interest is uh, important. And then how did your sister find Susan? So I think she actually found her, I think through Zillow, through the Zillow oh, app. Okay. I forget if she like, I feel like it's probably a good idea to like interview a few people. I did do that for the mortgage lender, but um in part, I just really trusted my sister and brother-in-law. And then also like, I really wanted to put an offer on this first house that I saw, but yeah, I mean, it's probably a good idea, especially if you have time to like talk to a few people and just kind of feel out like, who do you like best? Um, But I absolutely love who I went with. (laughs) Okay. So I interrupted you and you said that your offer was not accepted. And then what did you do? Yeah. So that was the one that's now my neighbor, which is funny because I can like literally see what would have been my bedroom window <laughs> from the living room. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I guess I was like kind of crushed, but I think I knew when they came back to me a few times with my best and final, like I knew obviously there was another offer on the table. So I was trying not to get too excited. Um, yeah. Then I just, I saw a few more places. This was a year ago now. So I'm trying to remember like how many I saw, maybe another like five or 10. And then Funny enough, the second one that I put an offer in on was your next door neighbor. <laughs> this is before I met you, um, but we would have literally been able to move to each other from. No, our people house. actually just moved in. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. That's weird. I wonder I think if they, that were... they were doing like a lot of renovations before they moved in. Oh my god! Well, that's funny because I'll tell you the story with that house. Um, I wonder what the renovations were, but. So yeah, so the next one I kind of fell in love with was your neighbor. And um, that one was interesting because that one was probably a better value than this first one. They're both one bedrooms, similar neighborhoods, both had, you know, like a little deck and whatever, but it was listed probably like 10% lower. And I absolutely loved it. So that time, and I think this was sort of like their strategy with the uh, listing price was like they listed at below value to like start a bidding war basically. 
So mm-hmm. that one, my, my realtor suggested we actually come in over asking, whereas the first one she said, come in under, it's not worth that much. Oh. So it's, yeah, that's again, why realtors are, you know, they're great. And <laughs> yeah, they know advice. what they're doing. Yeah. There's a reason yeah, that they're, um, you know, in the profession that they are. So yeah. So I took her advice. I came in over asking another thing I would recommend when you're going to open houses or just going to look at places. Um, First of all, I mean, obviously, like, ask questions about, like, you know, you're looking for things that you would want in a rental property, like, you know, is there in-unit washer, dryer, is there a deck, whatever is important to you, but then ask about, like, how old the appliances are, like, when the AC or, like, heating system was put in, like, those are things that when they crap out as a renter, um, you know, you call your landlord and it's on them to fix it, but obviously when you own, you know, that's could be like tens of thousands of dollars to fix. So right. um, asking things like that, which a lot of that, they might even put on like the little pamphlet that they give you. Um, but the other big one, try to find out as much as you can about the sellers. So I always like to ask them why they were selling and you kind of get a feel for like, obviously if anything's like wrong with the property, they're probably not going to tell you that's the reason right. they're selling, but if the more it's kind of like a game of poker. So the more you find out about your opponent, you know, the more kind of you have to work with. So right. with that one, I found out that they were like a young couple that were buying in the suburbs. And they had actually already um, bought the house or it was in um, escrow and they were renovating it and they didn't need the funds from this purchase to, to fund that, but that they basically like didn't usually as a seller, you want like a quick closing. Um, it's usually 30 days, but in this case, they prefer to actually stay in their home longer because they're renovating other one. And that worked to my advantage because my lease wasn't up until like mid October, I think it was. So I was expecting to buy and like move in in September and just have overlap. But knowing this information, I put that into my offer of like having a lease back deal where I would allow them to stay there and basically pay me in rent to live there for a month oh, yeah. or two while they renovated. Um, and that's what my realtor told me was like kind of the thing that pushed my offer over the edge was just that they, they got, you know, the comfort of not needing to like move twice. Right. Um, and so they ended up accepting my offer. I was over the moon, like so excited. This was the second, you know, offer I'd put in that got accepted. Um, started, you know, kind of roughly planning what kind of furniture I want, you know, just like envisioning my life there. Right. So what happens when you put in the offer is generally the purchase and sale agreement, which is drafted up by both your attorneys is created within a week. And so that's just- So wait, your attorney. So you have to hire an attorney in addition to your realtor? Yeah. Yeah. That's a um, good question. And so I got him- from her. So my realtor basically had like recommendations for, for everything for mortgage lenders, for attorneys. Um, the person I chose for the inspection was recommended through her. And then I'll tell you about this later, but I ended up doing some little renovations to this place. And that was all again, like she just, they have so many connections. Um, right. So yeah. So the attorney and like, I didn't work a ton with him one-on-one. I mean, I had, you know, a few phone calls with him, but for the most part, it's like, he's working with the the seller's attorney and those two realtors and then the mortgage lender. And they're all just kind of like working behind the scenes, mm-hmm. not so much with you. The offer was accepted. Oh. And so then, so within that week of the purchase and sale being drafted up is when you would do the inspection. A lot of people were waiving inspections at the time. I personally would be way too scared to do that. Cause you have no idea what they might find and you might right. be in, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of right. whatever. 
Um, so that wasn't something I was comfortable doing. So yeah, I got an inspector out there and highly recommend going with him or her on the inspection. Um, so I took like half a day off from work to go do that because you, and I would ask them tons of questions and like, really like figure out what they're looking at because you're paying him or her to go out there. I feel like it was like $500 or something like that. Wow. Um, and that's money you don't get back if, if the deal falls through, like this one ended up doing. So with um, your offer, you get the $1,000 back that you put in? Or... Yeah, so I got okay. that back because okay. I, I put in, so when, yeah, part of the offer, like you'll put in any contingencies. So, mm-hmm. you know, if I was waiving the inspection, then I got wouldn't it. have got 1000 back, but since okay. I wasn't. Um, yeah, so I went in and it's funny because when I had looked and I had also brought my parents who, you know, I've been through this before and my dad's just like classic dad, like kind of just like knows everything about, right. um, I don't know, infrastructure. What to look for. Yeah. And so I don't know, nothing really stood out to us when we, we briefly looked at the basement on our own earlier, but when I went back with the inspector, um, he pointed out a couple things that were concerning. Um, one of them being, there were these like two by four, like, you know, support beams that, um, were at like a very slight angle, but they were definitely not, you know, plumb. And he could, he was like, well, because of the color, like we know that these are put in, in the last, like, I don't know, five years or something. So like no one puts in structures at an angle as I'm sure you all know. So like, that means that there was like significant movement to the structure. And there were a couple of their little, like, um, things that he pointed out that kind of helped me understand in the future when I continued my search of like, what are like red flags to look for in a basement? Cause right. I mean, basements in Southie are like, they're pretty Scary. grungy. Like you yeah. don't really know what you're looking at. You're like, Oh, it's just like a crappy basement. Like dungeon. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, so that was really helpful. And I was really torn because I absolutely loved the place. I had like told some of my friends about it. Like I, you know, envisioned myself there, but I knew in my heart of hearts, like I couldn't, um, I couldn't like go through with it. Well, so I, I did try, I asked the, um, the seller if they would just let me get a structural engineer out there, which I actually called someone and was prepared to have someone come out like within a day or two mm-hmm. to get a better understanding of like what this might cost to, to fix. And they were basically, I mean, it was such a seller's market. They're like, no, thanks. We're going to go with the next offer. Right. So that one fell through and that was a little heart heartbreaking, but <laughs> yeah, I know um, been neighbors. I know that would have been fun. I mean, we still but, kind of are, but yeah, I know. Right. We're like, <laughs> Two it's funny Southie, before I lived here, I was like, Oh yeah. Southie's just like a neighborhood and it's kind of small, but it's like kind of spread out. It's really spread out. Yeah. The West part. Um, I know. But yeah, so that was a little devastating, but, um, gotta you know try to keep your emotions out of it so kept on with the search I think then I was like on vacation it was crazy there were some houses I would see I had like notifications on Zillow Mm -hmm. for if anything popped up in my budget with like my general criteria and I would text my realtor and she would immediately text me back and like go to like schedule time to go see the house Mm -hmm. there's one house that I it was literally taken off the market like a probably hours after it was put on before the open house was even scheduled because someone just swooped in offering all cash like above asking just where are people getting this money I, I would love to know that <laughs> yeah um, what so yeah there was a lot of just kind of I don't know 
you get excited about something and then it might disappear. But um, fortunately I did, it was the summer and I had like enough time kind of after work to go. I saw a lot of them just on my own. If there were like an open house that I, you know, if I wasn't sure I really was serious about it. Um, but yeah, it was kind of a whirlwind. The whole thing only lasted, like I said, under two months. So then the yeah. final house that I, you know, the one that I'm in now, um, I saw that probably like, I don't know, in early August maybe. And this one is, so I was primarily looking at one bedrooms. This one was actually two bedrooms. Um, and I was shocked like for the price that it was because it's the exact neighborhood that I wanted. It had like the deck like I wanted and everything, but it didn't have central AC and it had been rented probably for like 10 years. So just like cosmetics, like in the inside, like the paint and everything just like, wasn't my style, but I like was able to just see through that and be like, this is stuff that I could, you know, easily kind of just fix up on my own. And so, um, yeah, ended up putting in an offer on this one. I don't, there was no back and forth actually for this one, instead of doing the 24 hour, like expiration of the offer, I was in between this one and this other one that was over like more on the West side. And they both had the same like offer deadline. Mm-hmm. And so, and you can't like put an offer in on two houses. It's like unethical and I don't know, probably illegal. Right. So, um, so I had to make a decision and I was basically like, okay, can you guys get back to me in like five hours, which I think is like kind of unheard of, especially in the seller's market, but we gave it a try. And I almost wonder if part of like the urgency made them take me more seriously. I don't know. Right. But um, yeah, they ended up uh, accepting this one. I had already done kind of a better assessment of like the basement based on what I knew from the <laughs> other one. So I felt pretty good about, I should have had you, you know, this <laughs> come in engineer and look at the structure. Yeah. So yeah, the inspection ended up going really well. And I don't know, it's just an exciting kind of really fast moving process, but um, surprisingly like smooth again, I think, because if you, if you have a good team, it, it'll make it get so that it's seamless. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess my question is before you even got to the process of, okay, I'm going to stop renting and start buying. You said that you had been looking at apartments um, in your apartment building in Seaport, which God knows that that's probably the most expensive city or the most expensive neighborhood in Boston to live in. Um, So within that time, it's not like you saved money to buy a house in two months. How did you even begin to start saving? I'd say like, I'm not one to live on like a super strict budget, right? Like there are some people that have a whole, you know, Excel file, of like every, everything that comes in and out of their account and kind of budget things down to, you know, super granular, granular level of detail. I never did that, but I think it helped that I loosely started the process like five years earlier, because that just gave me an, like, I think before that point, I probably had no idea really what like a home costs or I probably knew like in the suburbs that I grew up in just because you'd see for sale signs every now and then or whatever but I don't think I really understood like what a one bedroom or you know like a modest kind of one person condo or house would be in the city and so Mm -hmm. I think just like getting your bearings and even if it's just like downloading Zillow and just like looking around or like going to an open house because they're free and open to the public so like you could just walk in and and just kind of start to learn you know what the you know what the process is like um Mm -hmm. but yeah I'd say like having that in the back of my mind I I just kind of like over the years was saving a lot of my money I 
I don't know, made some investments, but probably, you know, if you talk to a financial advisor, they might tell you other things to do with your money. But I ended up with like a good chunk of change. We also were in the pandemic for like a year. So a lot of things shut down. I wasn't traveling. I had right. you know, gotten promoted a few times, gotten a few bonuses. So I feel like the first couple of years you're in the workforce, it's kind of like you're just on the grind and you're, you're really right. trying to learn as much as you can and really, you know, build your resume and try to, you know, climb your way up. And then I'd say maybe after like five or so years, you kind of start to really establish yourself. And I feel like you might be surprised at how quickly you can jump from, you know, one bracket to the next kind of, or right. So would you say, um, there was like a certain percentage of your paycheck or certain money that you were allocating into a savings account? Like where were you putting that percentage? I think I just tend to be kind of more conservative with my money. So like I almost started in the reverse where it's like, okay, I know I want to like max out my 401k or, you know, do the the company match. Um, I had a Roth IRA, definitely recommend that, especially there'll be a point when like, you know, you might make more money and not be able to contribute to that. So definitely max out big on retirement funds. Um, Yeah. Just try to like keep, I don't know. It's like, it's very tempting when you get a new promotion or a bonus to go spend it on a fancy vacation or upgrade, you know, your living. The you next know, I don't have apartment. that resonation. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't feel the pull to do that. I'm like, okay, money, I'm Good. just going to put that in my bank account and never touch it ever. Yeah. So honestly, I feel like that, I wish I had like a better, I don't know, better like advice to be like, oh, just do this and you'll, you'll end up, mm-hmm. you know, saving up. Obviously everyone's financial, you know, situations and obligations are different. So I feel like it's probably just honestly best to like talk to a financial advisor or planner, or even it's like a friend or family in, in that space. And they can kind of advise you on like based on your goals and I don't know, whatever debt you may have, like here's kind of what you should be working towards. And mm-hmm. I feel like just the sooner you start that process, because again, it'll be different for everyone. Even if you can't, you know, save the exact, exact amount that you planned on, you're going to be better off than you are if you're just like wake up one day and you're like, Oh shit, like I want to buy a house and I don't have any money. Like, right. you know, <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's kind of, so I have started doing what you mentioned of downloading Zillow and trying to see what things actually cost. And so obviously I reach out to my dad and I'm like, okay, these prices are insane. I don't even know where to begin looking. I don't understand this. And his response was literally, 20%, 20%. That was it. That was all he said. 20%. I was like, okay, 20% of what? And he yes. said, salary. And I'm like, okay, my gross salary, my tax. Salary, what are you talking about? And he's just like, yeah, it's 20%. I don't know what you don't get. And I was like, 20% of what? Like, I genuinely was not getting it. I was not grasping it. I was like, what are you talking about? I don't know how I can even begin to afford that. And then how do you break it down? And after all of that, like, how do you know? How do you know? It was such a strugglesome period. And I still like, I'm just trying to figure out everything and try and learn how to understand even. Yes. And I feel like that's the big thing is like, you'll never, there's no like set formula to like get to wherever you want to be in life. So it's just like the more, like the earlier you start learning about, you know, if, if buying a home is, you know, a goal of yours at some point in the future, like thinking about that now and just getting a good understanding of what, you know, it would take. I mean, another thing that I think a lot of people don't talk about, um, is that like 20% as a down payment is kind of like the golden standard, right. Mm -hmm. For buying a house. But I think you can put down like 
in some cases, maybe 2%, like you don't have to put down 20%. Yeah. And there's some Um, instances with first time home buyers that you can get some sort of like exception to the 20% as well. Yeah. And even without, I mean, yeah, I think there are a lot of um, like government like programs for first time home buyers. And I think a lot of that might also just have to do with like your income bracket and all that. So like you have to qualify for it, but even outside of that, like you can put down less than 20%, you'll end up, um, basically paying your mortgage, like you'll pay insurance on the mortgage, which basically just like is insurance for them if you default on your payment. So it's kind of like a little added interest rate in a sense, but Mm -hmm. I have like a lot of friends that went to grad school or got their PhD and they've, you know, only been in the workforce for like a year or two making money. Granted their salaries are way more than what I made coming out of college. So they have more that they can put towards their monthly payment, but not as much in savings. And so for someone like that, it, it might really make sense just to put down less money. Right. And you're making a ton of money. You can afford the higher interest rate and you can always refinance the loan in a few years. And, um, you know, when you've had time, So, what does refinancing the loan even mean? Like reassessing how you're paying your mortgage. Yeah. And I mean, I haven't done it obviously because I just bought a year ago, but, um, yeah, it's basically like going through the same process. So like if your credit score has changed, if it's, you know, hopefully it's improved over the last couple of years, um, you know, you can then end up getting a lower rate if the value of your property has gone up since then, that'll usually help you. Um, so yeah, I mean, a lot of people will do that. I think a lot of people actually probably refinanced last year because the rates were so low that if they bought like 10 years earlier, it made sense for them to refinance just because, um, you know, they get a much better interest rate now, even if their credit score didn't change. So that is something you can do. I mean, there's definitely a cost associated with it. I think it's like, I don't know, two or 5% of the loan. So like, it's not okay. cheap. You don't be refinancing every year by any means, but if you just kind of like run the math, it, it definitely, you know, can make sense for a lot of people. Right. And then touching on credit scores, how much of a factor did a credit score play into your home buying process? Yeah, the process of like, getting so I worked with a mortgage lender and mm-hmm. basically the first step I had a conversation um that one I did shop around for so I I kind of interviewed I guess three people and also um, let's define what a mortgage lender even is I'm assuming it's just someone who lends you money for your mortgage just based on its yeah. title alone yeah uh, how did you know um <laughs> Yeah. So basically assuming, you know, you're not one of those people that's able to buy a house uh, in cash, you'll most likely either go through a mortgage lender or a bank for a loan. And again, I probably know a fraction of of the subject, but as I understand that a mortgage lender is basically working with you directly, and then they have um, relationships and access to a bunch of direct lenders. So basically other banks, and they're able to work with you with what your goals are to basically find the find you a loan that works the best for you um you end up paying more in fees to have that mortgage lender doing all that grunt work for you mm-hmm. uh, you could go through a bank I didn't do that I went through a mortgage lender and I think going to the bank I've heard can sometimes be a little bit harder to work with and it's it's kind of like you'd basically then want to like talk to a bunch of different banks maybe to figure out like which one's the right one to go with and so it's sort of like using a travel agency versus planning a trip on your own. Like you're, okay. you're going to 
you're going to pay more, but you're hopefully going to get better advice and like end up getting the trip that right. you wanted. Right. Um, so for That's me, a good it was analogy. If I had to guess, I would say probably, I feel like most people I know went through a mortgage lender, but um, I mean, I'm not hating on, on banks. If you ever can, <laughs> I don't know, just, uh, I think it was again also, cause that's what my sister and brother-in-law, they had a contact they gave me. And since the first one went really quickly, I ended up um, using him for the pre-approval letter, um, which I don't know, did we talk about that with the- No, we did not. The offer? Mm-mm. Okay, that's good. That's something I didn't really know about before this. So when you put an offer in on a home, you almost always um, for that offer to be entertained. They want to see a pre-approval letter from the lender. And so that's basically them saying like, yes, this person's good for the money. Like I'm most likely going to give them the loan. And most so, likely. yeah, I mean, well, cause there's so much then that goes into it. Like it's usually a 30 day closing. So there's so much like other right stuff that goes into actually securing the mortgage but it's like a good indication that like they've done their homework on you so that's when they'll pull your credit score um which I don't know if people um are familiar with what like a credit score is but it's basically just um used to determine like how likely you are going to be able to make your payments and so it kind of is determined by um you know they want to see that you have a history of making payments on time so things like credit cards if you've had student loans or car loans, like they just basically want to see that you're able to borrow and pay back money in a timely way. Um, they're also looking to see what your credit utilization is. So you typically want that to be low. I think I heard like around 30%. So that would be something like on, you know, your limit on your credit card. If you get like a limit of like 10 grand and you only end up using three grand a month, you have a 30% utilization. So that's, I think, pretty good. So you typically want that um, to be yeah, higher. A little than hack that um, one of my friends told me who recently became a financial advisor, because I was like, okay, I need help like boosting my credit score. I just got a credit card. And he was like, well, what are you, what's your usage? And I was like, honestly, I'm like putting all of my expenses on my credit card. And he's like, just start paying it off every day. Cause then your credit, <laughs> your credit card utilization is going to go way down. Cause if you're spending close to your uh, max amount every mm. month, then your credit's going to keep sinking and sinking. Whereas if you spend like you're, you are spending close to your amount and you're able to just pay it off daily and yeah. you'll never have to worry about getting close to that uh, above 30% threshold. And I've always been one that like, I don't know, I got a credit card, I think in high school, I don't know, 18 or something. And wow. I mean, like, co-signed probably with my parents but yeah it was my <laughs> but I um they warned me they were like this you know treat this like your debit card like this is your money like don't so I, I feel like I just kind of was raised in that mindset of like I'm not yep. ever to me it was like my real money yep, I never don't really spend money that you don't it. have yeah and I think I didn't even think about it as like I'm literally borrowing money I was just like oh yeah, yeah this is like, oh I still don't I still don't think of it that way like I well, yeah me too um, I, I use my credit card as a debit card. Like my dad has ingrained in my brain, do not spend money you do not have. Do not do it. You don't need to do it. Unless you're buying like a house or a car or some, something of that nature, you should never be spending money you do not have. Yeah, I agree with that. Obviously, if, you know, I don't know, some people think paycheck to paycheck or whatever, it can be hard, but um, definitely, yeah, don't recommend having credit card debt that definitely right. will hurt your 
for. Yeah. Yeah. And then I don't know, they look at, you know, any other outstanding debt you have. Oh, another thing. I don't think I knew this before that, but like, you don't want your credit score being pulled, at least not a hard pull too many times. Cause if it's getting pulled a bunch, what does it mean um, getting pulled running, like running, you're doing a hard credit check where they get your exact credit score. Oh, okay. Like running it through the system. Um, I didn't know the difference between a hard check and a soft check. And I probably still can't explain it to you. Like, <laughs> but there is a the difference, but there is a difference. <laughs> and yeah, if you get it pulled too many times, um, cause when I was shopping for mortgage lenders, the first one obviously pulled it and I used that for the pre-approval letter, which is mm-hmm. due with the offer. Um, and then the second one, I think pulled it and I just like, they're like, oh yeah, we're going to pull it. And I was like, oh yeah, okay, sure. Like, I didn't know. And then the third mm-hmm. one was like, okay, no more having people pull this for you. Cause it like, it could go down. I think it's only by a few points, but, um, Still. I would recommend, yeah, I would recommend like get your score pulled once by whoever the first person is you talk to. And then when you go to the next person, just say like, assuming my score is X, Y, Z, can you give me a quote, you know, and like, what would mm-hmm. my rate be thing? And then just like, keep doing that for everyone else to compare the quotes Right. Um, and then however the final person is, if it isn't the first one, obviously they'll pull it again. But um, that was something I learned. Another thing I learned was so, okay. So once I got the, the offer approved and we were, I don't know, I think we we're like a few weeks out from closing. Mm-hmm. I was getting prepared to, you know, start buying, I had to buy a lot of new furniture for this place, including the couch, which lead times I think they probably still are crazy but especially where last year like you know months so I wanted to like purchase the couch and I knew I wanted a new credit card to put you know points on it um and so I fortunately I asked my lender I was like hey like just double checking like it's cool if I like open a new credit card range like no don't don't open any new accounts or credit cards don't also make like giant purchases out of the ordinary basically you want to keep everything very steady state Or else it could like alert a flag. And I mean, this is what she was telling me. And I don't really know how it all works, but she was basically like, it could just like slow down the process for you. And like, you don't want to risk that. So like, just wait until everything's signed and done and and then apply for the credit card. So that was something uh, I learned and some good advice. So I had to wait a little bit longer. I didn't have a couch till like Christmas, but. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. That's crazy. (laughs) If you were to go back and do anything differently, what would you do? I don't think there's anything I would do differently. I don't really have any regrets. I think I was, I really enjoyed the process, but maybe I'm weird. Like, I think I've always had this. You are weird. You are weird. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I know I'm weird, but I've always kind of had like a little secret love for real estate. So I feel like for me, it was like, I was always watching the HGTV shows and I finally got to like live it myself. Mm. But, um, yeah, nothing really I regret. I feel like everything worked out the way it was supposed to because I absolutely love the home I'm in. And I feel like it it feels so much more like home than any place I've ever rented. And I feel like you kind of have just this new sort of sense of pride for your living space when you, when you buy it. And especially like I did some renovations on it. So like my little bit of my blood, sweat and tears is in it. But um, <laughs> I don't think there's anything I would do differently about the process. I think, I mean, you could always... I always could have started earlier. I could have learned more about it, you know, going into it, but I feel like I was able to stay like pretty organized. I definitely recommend getting like, you know, a little Excel sheet out. And like when you are shopping for mortgage lenders, Oh, this is another thing I learned about um, that whole process was like, for the most part, your interest rate isn't going to change a ton. Cause it's, it's mostly based on your credit score and like 
what's going on in the market at the time. But what you do have a little bit more negotiating power is in the closing costs. And so always ask for those to be itemized whenever you get a quote from, you know, your mortgage lender mm-hmm. so that you compare them apples to apples. Cause, um, some of them will like lump certain things together, call them slightly different terms and always, you know, ask what is this fee? It doesn't look like it's in English. Like, what does that actually mean? Um, and then once you have that together, just like stay organized so you can start plugging in like, okay, what if I put down a little bit less money or what if I offered more or less on the house or what if I bought some points so you can buy points to basically um, get a better interest rate, but you're paying more money for that upfront. Um, Where so do you, you buy kind of, points from? From your mortgage lender, from your realtor, from your bank? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, from the bank or the mortgage okay. lender. So if they okay. give you a rate of X, you could buy, I think usually you buy them in increments of like a quarter of a percentage point. Um, and so it, it costs, so again, if you have, if you're someone that has like a lot in your savings and maybe you make a little bit less, you know, with your salary, that could be attractive to you mm-hmm. if you have more money up front. Um, but yeah, I would say just like, there's going to be a ton of information coming at you. So try to stay organized because also you're you're making huge decisions really quickly so you have to like have confidence that you've done your research you feel comfortable that like you've thought of everything that could potentially go wrong and then be able to trust your gut and like make a decision and um and feel good about it oh yeah definitely and I really think that you've given a lot of great advice on things to look out for and things to keep track of and people to keep in contact with. What is some, like, what was the hardest part of all of it? So, I mean, obviously it's not an easy or fun process, or maybe for you it was fun, but it wasn't an easy process. So what was like the hardest part of all of it? Yeah, I guess the hardest part... I mean, like I said, I was a little heartbroken, especially by the second one, just because like, it's hard. I mean, I feel like I'm a pretty like rational person where like, I don't usually let my emotions like lead, I don't know, a lot of my decision making, but like you do end up getting like attached. And so, oh, right. You romanticize a life that you yeah. look to yeah, have. It's, I mean, yeah, it's not like you're buying, you know, I don't know, you're not buying like an outfit or something that you, like, right. it's, it's a big deal. So yeah, I'd say just like try to just like be okay with things obviously like not working out the way you know you wanted them to the first time. Just know I really believe like everything happens for a reason. Not to sound corny, but like my sister and her husband, it took them like over a year and now they're in their absolute dream home that like at some points during their process, they're like, oh, like now I just wish that we had bought like a house we saw months ago. Because mm-hmm. you never know. I think that's the hardest part is like you never know what's gonna be on the market tomorrow. Right. And you never know what the interest rates, like when you get quoted one day, like the interest rates could spike the next day and like your whole budget may change. And so there's so many variables outside of your control that um, you have to like be a little bit okay with like the unknown and just like accepting that like things might not go the way you thought they would, but like just trust that like, even if you don't end up buying for a few years, like just, I don't know, trust the process. (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of what's most daunting to me is that there is so much that's outside of your control and me being kind of not necessarily a control freak, but likes to have things planned into a T and have everything very cookie cutter. Um, 
the idea of having interest rates spike unexpectedly or not have your offer ex- uh, accepted after following all of the perfect procedure and all of that is so incredibly anxiety ridden for me because I just, I romanticize things too. And I want things to go th- the <laughs> way that I planned. And I want things to just follow a nice linear path. And I don't want there to be huge peaks and valleys. I just want it to be very stagnant. And I figure out the house I want to buy and I buy it and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, that's not how that works. Yeah. And I almost feel like in a weird way to ups and downs, like, I don't know, almost gave me a little dreadful and rush. I was like, this is exciting <laughs> and it's fun, but maybe again it's like dating uh, again yeah I mean yeah buying a house is kind of like because yeah my sister was like I was so heartbroken over that house I was even heartbroken over the very first one and that one like you know wasn't even accepted but it's kind of like she's like you will love again you will find a new home (laughs) that you you know envision yourself in even more than this one and so you just have to like just not get too attached yeah yeah moving on oh speaking of how it's similar to dating you can also get catfished by a house Oh my gosh, that is so funny you said that because one of my friends from back in Ohio was reaching out to me about how she wants to buy an apartment or a house or condo or whatnot. And she was looking on Zillow to see about like houses in the neighborhood. And she finds this house and it's stunning and it's $22,000. And she's like, what? And so she reads the description and the description's like, my husband and I are property owners at a bunch of different locations around the States. And we love to provide opportunities and give back to first time buyers. So uh, if you're able to buy in cash, we do $22,000 home and no hidden fees, like just straight cash, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, that's so weird. And so she's like, either I'm going to show up at this house and I'm going to get mugged or this is just a complete scam in general. And so she Googles like the text that was the description and sure enough, it was a scam, but I can only imagine the number of new buyers that probably think that that's actually real and end up just for like the house didn't exist or like what was the the house existed and it was under the address and it was for sale but that wasn't the listing for it they just made it up wow okay well that's a lot worse than what I was talking about (laughs) but that's like a true catfish this was like okay you've outdated pictures catfish yeah yeah Um, that's true that's like an upsetting hinge date is like okay I'm excited (laughs) to see this guy and then you see him and you're like was that him? He looked a little different. Yeah, there was a wide lens, wide lens, uh, whatever. <laughs> or a, lot, a lot of those where the it was like cat, the, or the fish eye lens. Yeah, that's it. The fish yeah. eye lens where the kitchen looked massive, and then you get there, and it's like, what is this little shoebox? Let me just scoot to the side here. I think all of your insight and advice was definitely very helpful, and gave me kind of a good starting point, I guess, to even begin to understand the buying process because I don't know eventually I would like to buy a house is it in my cards right now probably not especially if I want to live in this city I really appreciate you coming on and I hope you had a good time I did yeah this was lots of fun thanks for having me I'll see you soon neighbor perfect neighbor (laughs) (laughs) okay bye bye